Welcome to City on a Hill's podcast. This week's podcast can be downloaded on iTunes or our media library at chccny.com. How you doing this morning? I want to just, all right, Joe? Not great, just all right. We're just kind of making it. Hopefully when you leave, you're doing a little bit better. Uh, interesting, I'm watching everyone in the service and I'm seeing all the people do the, the, the elements, the Lord's table. And I'm watching all the ushers, and I'm looking at all the music people, and you know what? I want to commend you, because you understand that it's construction Christianity. That you came in here this morning with a construction hat on. And you said, I'm going to work. It's not consumer Christianity that I just come in and I take. What can I get? But to see people that have laid down their lives and have sacrificed. I mean, the music team, we don't say it enough. Friday night, for how many years? Steve, how many years? Where is he? Where is he hiding? How many years? How many years? 30 years, 30 plus years of giving up Friday nights to come in this place and to worship and to bring it on a Sunday morning. You can clap if you want. Yeah, right? So I just want to thank you for all the people that put their hand to the work. And if you haven't, if that, it's, you're saying, you know what, I'd love to get involved. Oh, we have things that you can do. We'd love to get you more involved in this place. Well, we started last week. And you know what, even before we get into it, how about just to make sure you're fully awake, you say to somebody next to you, give them the sermon title that today is a sermon in my scars. Go ahead, say it to somebody next to you. Today is a sermon in my scars. You like my title today? Do you like my title today? I think it's pretty good. I think it's pretty good. Always, I have so much fun trying to come up with a title, and the wife is always the last, gets the last a lot of times. She gets the last say. She's like, nope, that one's not good. Go with this one. That's what happened this week. Well, we started last week, and, and we, I, I put up here, and I'm putting it up again, Jesus on the cross, the final seven sayings. Now, I don't have enough time to hit every single one of these sayings because next week is Easter. Next week is Easter, right? Yeah, so next week being Easter, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm putting this on the calendar. I'm doing it next year. I'm just going to have a series. It didn't work out with the scheduling and everything going on, but I'm going to have a series called Seven. And I'm going to, read to, I'm going to di- hit every single saying on the cross and have a separate sermon for that next year. None of you are going to remember that. I hope I remember that. No, of course I'm going to remember. But that, I think that would be an interesting uh, series leading up to Easter. And we said if you weren't here last week, I'm not going to read over all of them, but we looked at number three last week, a word of relationship. And this week I'm going to number one. So I didn't even go in order. I just kind of went with what I felt like God was saying to me. And number one is a word of forgiveness. And we've all heard these words before. Father, Jesus on the cross, the first thing he says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. But can I hit it a weird way today? Can I hit it in an unconventional, un, my thank you, in an unorthodox way Can I come at it a little bit differently? Can I start with a post-resurrection encounter? You all right right with that? Is that okay? So I'm not going to... I'm going to move from the cross. I'm going to go to the resurrection, and then I'm going to kind of flashback like they do in movies a little bit. 
Do you love movies or the TV show? I never even really watched it, but This Is Us. And it's like the number one show on TV, and they always flash back, right? A lot of you don't watch that TV show, so that's a bad example. But you get the idea, right, of that. And here's where I want to start. And this is tethered to what we're doing for Easter Sunday. Next week, I am not giving fluff on Easter Sunday, giving a real message next week. A real message. So... This place should be packed out, and I'm hoping to challenge people. Now, keep it, you know, keep it kind of simple, not really going to go for it a little bit, but you invite people, this place should be packed out, and we are going to do Easter the right way next week. Yeah, yeah. So let's start here, and you can just follow along. I'm going to start here with a post-resurrection appearance. Here we are, John 20, verse 19. Man, I am excited for today. You don't hear me. I am excited for today. I've been waiting for today for a while. On the evening of that first day of the week. So Jesus, and in what we'll see next week, there's a, there's a story of the road to Emmaus, a famous story in the Bible. And if you've never heard it before, Jesus is going to come up on these two people, Cleopas and, I don't know, Mrs. Cleopas. We don't get the other person's name, but he comes up on them and takes a seven-mile walk. Seven miles! You ever walk seven miles? It's kind of far, right? And they're talking, he eventually stops where they're going to be at Emmaus. And by the way, we don't even know today. We don't even know today exactly where Emmaus was. How crazy is that? A place where so, an amazing story happens post-resurrection and we don't even know where it is today. And I don't want to get, I'm trying to stay away from next week's sermon. Focus, I'm here today. I'm trying to keep myself focused. But in that story, what's so amazing, he walks that whole distance, right? It's First day of the resurrection. He has just come up. He's alive. He's not dead. The grave is empty. And he takes this long walk. He walks away from Jerusalem where the promise is going to be, where the Holy Spirit's going to come. And there he is. Jesus, where are you going? He's going in the wrong direction. And he meets up with these two people. And then when we get to this story, they eventually, as we'll talk about in detail next week, they realize who it is. They see the scars on his hands as he breaks the bread. And then he disappears. And they get it. And now here he is. It's the same day. So he walks seven miles with people. And then he comes. But he doesn't need an Uber. He didn't get a lift. He didn't have an angel take him. It's his post-resurrection. And now, look at what John says on the evening of that first day. This was a busy day for Jesus. First day of the week when the disciples were together with the doors locked for the fear of the Jewish leaders. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. The doors are locked from the inside. They weren't locked from the outside. Isn't that kind of crazy as I'm reading this story? And I'm going, how amazing is that we do the same thing? Fear locks us from the inside. Anxiety locks us from the inside. We can get out, but there we are, and we're stuck in our fear. And there is Jesus. He just shows up on the scene. 
Peace be with you. He picks the lock. Picks the lock, right? I mean, it's amazing. He turns into a locksmith and he just kind of shows up. And you know what I love about that? His grace will knock down the front door. His grace will come in the side door. His grace will do whatever it takes to get to you. It's going to keep, it's going to come in. You can't stop it. He comes in and says, I'm going to show you grace now. You were a witness. John is the only one that was with me at the cross, but it doesn't matter because I have some things to do. And look what he says here, right? Look at this. Move on to verse 20 to 23, verses 20 to 23. After he said this, he showed them his hands and side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Scars. Five scars. Hands, feet, and side. Did you know in the Bible, five is the number for grace? Five. Five wounds. Do you think Jesus had a flashback? I said I was going to flashback a little bit. Do you think Jesus had a flashback of sitting on the cross? And he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Do you realize that what that verse says? It doesn't say what they did. What they do, present tense. Can you believe? And, they're not, and, and when Jesus said that on the cross, nobody was asking for forgiveness. Nobody was asking for it, but he forgives them anyway. And he says, listen, I'm on the cross. He's dying eventually. And, and most crucifixion victim, victims, eventually you would what? You would suffocate. And the nails would hold up your butt. Jesus has the presence of mind while he's on the cross to forgive people. While he's dying. Welcome to Palm Sunday. I have my red on on purpose. Because the blood that was on the cross was crimson red. And it flowed. For us. For you. And for me, Father, forgive them. But you know what? If I'm really honest about it, you know how I want to prove God's presence in my life? With all of the success that I have as a Christian. I want to prove his presence with all of the things that are going wonderful. Look at what God did here. Can can we, next week, we're going to really get into when the stone gets rolled away. And you know what, as Christians, we should talk about the stones that have been rolled away in our lives. But when it came for Jesus Christ to show forth his presence post-resurrection, he said, look at my scars. Look at where they put the nails. Look at where they were. Look at this. This really happened. Look at the scars. But we try to hide our scars. You know what we're good at? Here's a term I came up with. Tell me if you like it. Cosmetic Christianity. That should be a book title. 
At least a chapter in a book. Come on. Forget about all the cosmetic surgery. Think about what we do as Christians. And we try to hide and we mask things. And we walk in here on Sunday morning and we have our best clothes on and we hide our scars. And we're so adept at it. I know I am. How you doing? World's falling apart, but all good. <laughs> blessed again today. You're blessed every single Sunday of the year. That's, that's interesting. Every single one of them. You walk in with a smile every single week. We hide our scars. We hide them. Aren't you sick of coming out? Of, aren't you sick of hiding? He came to reveal his scars. You know what I'm glad about when he came up out of the grave? I'm glad that he kept his scars. I'm glad that he was resurrected. Otherwise, the story, what are we here for? But I'm also glad that when we get to heaven one day, we're going to see those scars and we're going to remember and know what happened. Aren't you glad he didn't get rid of them? Your kids are going to ask you that question. I'm waiting for my son to ask me that question. Come on, nine-year-old, bring it. I'm not going to bring it up. But at some point, I know that kid's going to ask me, what's up with the scars? The scars are the most beautiful thing because it shows forth love. It shows forth what he did. And how many of us know that our scars tell a story? Don't you know that your scars tell... I went in the shower today, right? Don't worry, I'm not going to give you too much detail, but I have to tell you, I'm going over scars on my body and how stupid. Everything was self-inflicted. I have a scar right here. You, I'll roll up my sleeve right now so you can see it. Because I know some, I can't roll up. Some of you are like, just stop. I have a scar right here. You know why? Because I ran into a tree mountain biking. Boom! Because I was with that guy right there, he made me do it. And then I'm going through these, oh, Scott, I'm working out one day years ago. I'm doing dumbbells, and I drop the dumbbells, and I don't look down. There's another set of dumbbells, and I crush my finger and need surgery. But I finished the workout. No joke, blood spurted it. I said, I'm going to finish this workout, gladiator style. People are like, maybe you should go to the hospital. Maybe I should finish my workout. And then I had one recently. I'm looking at I have scars on my feet right now, two of them. I'm making every one of these like so stupid. Look at myself. What's wrong with you? Don't answer that. <laughs> and then I have a couple of weeks ago, I'm, ma I'm, I'm making bone broth, right? Some people, I have it inside. Have it, people think I'm, the kids think I'm drinking coffee. This isn't coffee. Coffee is for people that are weak, right? This is bone broth. So I'm drinking, I'm ready for my bone broth, and I'm taking it 24 hours on the stove, right? And I'm taking the ladle out, and I'm doing it, and all of a sudden, one of the glass balls, it's never happened. It shatters all over the place, and there is hot, boiling hot bone broth that gets on my foot. And there I am, I'm hopping around in the kitchen. Nolan is right there next to me and he's looking up and he's laughing. He thinks it's funny. And I'm going, hey dude, there are shards of glass all over the floor. It's not that funny. But you think about your own life, right? Don't, don't our scars tell a story? Right, come on. Did you ever see the movie Lethal Weapon 2? 
Great movie, Joe. Great movie. And if you don't know the movie, it's Mel Gibson and Rene Russo, and it's a great scene. And before they get romantically involved, and there they are, they like work together, and they're going at it with each other. And she's going, I got this scar when I did this. And he's going, oh, yeah? Well, I got this scar when I was doing this. And they go back and forth, tit for tat, tit for tat, and they just keep going. And it's as if those scars are their trophies that they're showing off. Look at what happened. And I want to say to us on Palm Sunday, 2018, you have some scars. And I'm not just talking physical scars. I'm talking that you've been through some things in your life. And I want you to tell the devil that you're still standing. That's what those scars mean. You did everything you could to take me out, but here I am. I didn't go anywhere. Man, I love scars. Come on. They tell a story about things. And you know, we got to talk about Thomas. I told you we were going to get into this guy, Thomas. Can I just rewrite the history of Thomas for you today? Would you mind if I spent a little bit of time doing that today? Mike, you all right? Mike, you all right with that? Good, good. I'm just making sure. I'm just making sure. I'm just, I just want to make sure. How are we doing in the bleachers back there? We good? Keeping it real back there? All right, here we go. Now, verse, look at this. 23, uh, we already said that. I'm, I'm past Luke. See you, Luke. All right, John 20, 24. Now, Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the 12 was not with the disciples when Jesus came. First day of the week, right? First day of the week, resurrection, Thomas wasn't there. How come we call this dude Doubting Thomas? What a joke. It's a joke. It's a total farce. He's not Doubting Thomas. How come we as the church can define people by one moment in their history? By one moment, adultery, Anna. You're laughing, but it's true. We define people by mistakes that they make. And we say, that's who you are. That's not what the gospel says, but that's what the world says. And that's what the devil says. That's who you are. And that's all you're ever going to be. Sorry. Because Jesus would differ with that. And my boy gets a bad rap. It's a bad rap. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. You know how much is talked about this guy, Thomas? Zero words are talked about Thomas in the first three Gospels. Zero. But then we come to the book of John, our boy. John the Beloved. John, who we said last week, right? He gave himself a a nickname, the one whom Jesus loved. And you come to John, and there are 155 words about our boy Thomas. 155. And what really bothers me, he, he had a twin, by the way. Didymus means a twin, right? So this guy had a twin. What bothers me is, can we at least call him Doubting Diddy? Because of the alliteration, can we at least call him Doubting, instead of Doubting Thomas, can you at least call him Doubting Diddy? Can you? We look at this guy, at least get it right, at least make it sound more interesting. But what really bothers me about this story is, how come Thomas, who isn't there the first day, 
gets disparaged and denigrated and just ripped by everyone in the church for centuries. What about Peter? He's behind locked doors. Petrified Peter. Locked behind closed doors, Levi. Why don't we give them nicknames too? Like they were any better than Thomas was? Thomas had some doubts. Hey, I have some doubts. Maybe you don't have any doubts. Anybody here, you don't have any doubts. I'm with the right crowd. But these guys, here they are. And why, why do we always just focus on him? We all have doubts. That's what I'm trying to say. Listen, if I came over to you and I rolled up your sleeves, I would see some scars. I'm not talking physical, but we've all been through some stuff. I would be able to see that you have had some real struggles in life. Just like me, that we've all struggled. We've all wrestled with stuff. We all have scars that we carry. And then you go to 25. Look at it. Can we call him Honest Thomas at least? If you ever call him Doubting Thomas, you will be excommunicated from City on a Hill Community Church. If you ever call him that in my presence, I'm going to do some spiritual Bruce Lee jiu-jitsu on you. You are not allowed to call this guy Doubting Thomas. Honest Thomas. Look what he says in 25. Look at this. So the other disciples told them, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. He's saying, I have to see Jesus for myself. I don't care that y'all saw him. I want to see these scars. I want to put my fingers where the nails were and then I'm going to believe. And that's why he gets a bad rap. Can I just wreck that today? Can we just destroy that today? I like that, sure. So let me take you. Can I go a week later now? So this is the first time, right, that he's with the disciples. They're behind closed doors. Now look what 26 says. A week later, a full week later, Thomas has had to live with the doubt in his mind still about, is this, the, is this really Jesus? Did they really see Jesus Christ in the flesh? Maybe it was a figment of their imagination. This kind of stuff happens, right? People got, maybe that's what it was. A week later, he shows up on the scene. Do you ever have to wait for anything in your life? Did you ever have to wait for anything in your life? And wait and wonder and you keep walking seven days and you wonder, God, do you know what you're doing? Have you ever had to wait for a medical test? I've had to wait for a medical test. For a son, we had to wait months. I know what it's like to wait. And I'm sure many of you do too. What's it like to wait when you're in a marriage and maybe the marriage is falling apart and then you're like, I don't know, what are we going to do? And you're going to have a custody battle. What's going to happen? And you're waiting. What is it like to wait when you don't feel well and you're like, am I ever going to feel better again? What is it like to wait when you have depression and anxiety and stress and you're like, am I going to have to continue to deal with this for the rest of my life? Or I have a child who's wayward. How long, Lord, do I have to wait? Because I don't like waiting. 
And there's Jesus who shows up right when I think Thomas is like, how much longer? Lord, how much longer am I supposed to wait? And I know some of us in here, you know what? Some of us in here right now, we're waiting for things to happen in our lives. Anybody, you're waiting for something? You're waiting for God to come through in a situation in your life. And we get so mad at him because it doesn't happen in our time. Last I checked, we did not create the heavens and the earth. We didn't create everything that we see here. Last I checked, he knows what he's doing and it may not make us happy, but we have to trust him. He's trying to build faith. That's what that is, the space that we call waiting. It's a space that he wants to build our faith. If everything was explained to us and we just kind of knew everything, that wouldn't help our faith. So he says, you have to wait. And I love it. Here the disciples are again, and they're locked behind closed doors. But guess what? They didn't leave. They stayed which goes to show me there are people in here today, maybe you have an addiction and maybe you've been wrestling with stuff, but you're still here and you're still fighting. You didn't leave, you're still here. And every time that you fall, you say, I'm gonna get right back up and get back in the race. You didn't go anywhere. And then here it is. It just gets so good. Look at 27 and 28. They said to Thomas, so the second appearance, right? Thomas is with them. Put your fingers here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Yo, Thomas, come here. Yo, Tommy, yo, Diddy, come here. I want you to take your fingers and put them where the scars are, where the nails were. Not where the nails are, Thomas, where the nails were, because they're not here anymore. The nails aren't here anymore. Hey, Thomas, I want you to put your fingers here because this is where the sin was. It was taken to a cross. This is where your shame is, taken to a cross. This is where your guilt is, taken to a cross. Yo, Thomas, no more nails. Today is the day of freedom. What held me, Thomas, a few days ago doesn't hold me anymore. And I'm here to tell us as a church because there are some issues and there are some things that are holding us back. And Jesus says, on the cross, when he gets off the cross, look, Thomas, look, disciples. The nails aren't there anymore. It's time to experience and taste freedom. And look at this. This is one of the most amazing confessions in the whole Bible. Now, you know why I underline this? It says, my Lord and my God. I love what commentators, every commentator said this in studying this. Every scholar. This is the most amazing profession of faith in the whole New Testament. What? Everyone is on the same page. When he says this, By the way, it is the highlight of John's whole gospel. 
He has been bringing us as readers to this point, which is the climax. He wants everyone to know, no, 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 Jesus wasn't just a great prophet. Jesus wasn't just a great teacher. Jesus Christ is in fact Lord, and you better bow your knee. And Thomas says, my Lord, he makes it personal. Friends, can I be honest with us? As somebody who was a pastor's kid, I had an interesting conversation with my mom last night, and you, we look at things, and I said, Mom, least likely kid to be up doing this. I tell you all the time, let me tell you, young people, you may not feel it right now, but listen, you ask that God does something inside of your heart, and down the road, you can't live off your parents' faith. You can't live off your grandparents' faith. You can have your own faith, like Thomas, and yet, guess what? You can come to City on a Hill Community Church, and you can have doubts. Real doubt. Do you know doubt's not the same thing as unbelief? Doubt is not the same thing as unbelief. A writer by the name of Oz Guinness, this is what he said. I thought it was a helpful definition of doubt. He called it faith in two minds. Faith isn't the absence of doubt. That's unbelief. Don't you as a parent... Don't you as a Sunday school teacher, don't ever let us hear you telling somebody, shaming somebody because they have doubts. Because the last time I checked, I'm a speaker in this church and I still sometimes have doubts. Beyond the shadow of a doubt. Now, you're allowed to have doubts. You're allowed to wrestle and countless kids that are raised in Christian churches walk away from the church because they get mad that their parents don't let them ask questions about their faith. You can ask this pastor as many questions as you want, and I'm never going to judge you. I'm never going to condemn you. What an incredible believer this guy is. So this is the climax of the book, right? Isn't this kind of cool? But look what John writes in, in, in... in verse 30. Oh, there, there's a picture I found. That's a, I thought that was a great picture. There it is when he says, my Lord, my God. Right? So neat. You don't like it. I did. Okay? And then you go to verse 30. Look what it says in verse 30. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. Y'all, you need to see this. You need to see this. This is what I picture. I picture our boy John. He is sitting there and he is ruminating and reflecting on everything that Jesus has done. And he's saying, man, what am I going to put in? Holy Spirit, what am I supposed to write for people for centuries so that they can see and understand and experience who Jesus Christ is? Not who he was, but who he is. And there is John as he puts pen to paper and he's writing, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, this is the story of Thomas that he wants the world to see and know. He's saying there is no greater story There is no greater person that that says something in the New Testament that Thomas says. And this is, he's saying it unequivocally. He's saying, look, you have to see this. Just like two plus two is four, just like the sky outside is blue, he's saying Jesus Christ is indeed my Lord and my God. Wow. Can we get to forgiveness now? You want to hear a little bit about forgiveness? Because I said that's kind of what we were going to talk about. Is that right? It's interesting too because Jesus didn't show 
Thomas his wounds. He showed him his scars. He showed him his scars. He's showing him what he's actually been through. Hey, Thomas, I know you're going through some stuff here. I know you're going through some stuff, but you have to see that which held me doesn't hold me any longer. Don't confuse wounds with scars. It's different. I came through something. Yeah, I was on that cross, but they put me in a tomb. And three days later, these are the scars that I have to show you that I made it through. Has anybody ever never been hurt before? Has anybody in here, you've never been wounded before? Never been wounded? Because if you raise your hand, you are a liar. <laughs> Bless you. If you haven't, give life time. Because you'll get wounded. Somewhere down the road, you're going to get wounded. And I don't want to be a wounded preacher. I don't want to get up here and show wounds. I want to show scars. I don't want to be a wounded parent. I don't want to inflict my pain on my kids. Do you? Do you want to be a wounded parent? I don't think so. I don't want to be a wounded friend. I don't want to pass that stuff on. As a preacher, can I be totally transparent? I, f- I like to show my scars, things I've been through. Yeah, I can talk about when the stones have been rolled away, but I think a lot of times as preachers, I can't relate to preachers that don't show their scars. I can't relate to it. It's not real for me. I want to know you went through something. You want to know the struggles that I have a little bit? Don't you want to know that I'm like, kind of like you, even though I'm a, I'm a speaker here and God's called me to do this, but I wrestle with a lot of the same stuff you do. I'm no different than you. I'm not on another level than you. I'm human just like you. Pastor Linda is, Pastor Joe, no different. We wrestle with stuff, but I want to show off my scars, how hard it is to do this week in and week out. I'm not just going to put a fake smile up here and talk and everything is good, your best life now and blah, 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 blah. I'm not into that. It's not real. And let me tell you, you know what forgiveness is? Forgiveness doesn't mean something didn't happen. Forgiveness doesn't mean away with the teaching that says to, well, you know what? You just got to forgive and forget. Forget it and it just never happened. If you're a real Christian, you just got to forget that. You just kind of have to move on. No, no, no. The scars show that it happened. And we have scars. All of us in here are scarred. We've all been scarred in some way, shape, or form. We have to show off those scars. People say, man, if you, if, if you forgive somebody, you're just never going to remember it. In your heart. You won't even remember it. Hogwash. Hogwash. But it doesn't mean we have to stay there. Somebody may say, man, you know what? I have an eating disorder and I have the eating disorder because it was the pressure that my parents put on me. The pressure my mom put on me. And we go around in life and we blame them. It's their fault. It's their fault. Yeah, you have some scars. But you can't let those scars define you forever. When are we going to move past some of those scars? When are we going to work with some of those scars? 
I was wounded and I'm scarred. Stop blaming your parents for everything. Stop blaming your spouse. Stop blaming your childhood for everything that's happening now. What held you then doesn't have to hold you moving forward. Something that happened in your past does not determine what happens in your history. And the hardest person you're ever going to have to forgive, you know who it is? You know who it is? Is it your spouse? No, it's yourself. Class, have you been studying on your own? It's yourself. The hardest person you're ever going to have to forgive is yourself. The hardest things, as the preacher, that the hardest things for me to let go are myself inflicted nails. Myself inflicted nails. Don't get scared. I know you see me with some nails and some of you are like, man, this is the last guy that should ever have nails in his hand. I went to Home Depot and I was so proud of myself. When I was in the nail aisle, it just felt so manly. I felt so good about myself. I was ready to put something together in Home Depot. I was ready to get some wood and just go to work. <laughs> I could go. I, I gotta stop. <laughs> Joe knows. Uh, you know what the good news is? Uh, you know what I love? God's forgiveness doesn't come with an expiration date. There's no expiration date. There's no expiration date for his forgiveness. It could be the 1,237th time that something has happened and there is no expiration date. It's all under the blood of Jesus Christ. And you know what the devil loves to do? And I got something else. Don't laugh. Don't laugh. I have a hammer today too. A hammer. And I really wanted to do something with this illustration, but I knew Pastor Lindo would bug out if I did. You ever notice how big the devil's hammer is? When he comes at us with accusations... Do you ever notice when he comes at us with all of the accusations about how desperate you are, how lonely you are, how you're never going to amount to anything? Can anybody else relate when you feel the enemy constantly hammering away at us over and over and over again? The accuser of the brethren, he wants to take us out right? He's the thief. He has come to steal. He has come to kill and he has come to destroy. And he comes with this hammer and he holds it over us. And at two o'clock in the morning, he hits you. Anybody else get hit at two o'clock in the morning? Like I did with some fear this week. Anybody else? Am I talking to the right crowd? Well, you're good. You're all good at night. You never have any issues. You never wake up in the middle of the night. Well, I did. And the devil's trying to come at me with a big hammer. And he's trying to tell me. And he's whispering lies. You know what I told him back today? And I want you to tell him, hey, devil. Hey, devil. Guess what? You don't have any more nails. You're all out, buddy. You don't have any more nails. Why don't you take your hammer and go home? Take your hammer and go. I don't care about that. I almost hit Steve's guitar. I almost hit it. Did I hit it? Did I hit it? I'm kidding. I knew I've been practicing that all week from this position to throw my hammer. 
Wow! That was a scene out of the Matrix! <laughs> Kidding me? There is now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It doesn't mean it didn't happen. It doesn't mean that you weren't abused. It doesn't mean that. And it's hard for you today to have a relationship with somebody because you go back to what happened in your life. I'm here to tell you, he doesn't have any more nails. He's all out. He's all out. Where are your nails? Where are your nails, Satan? He thought he won on the cross. He thought it was game, set, match, point. But we know as Christians, all of our sin, all of our shame was nailed into that cross. Yo, Tommy. Yo, Tommy. Take a look at my scars. I took it all. I took your doubt. I took your shame. Yo, PD, petrified PD. I took your doubt. I took you didn't even make it past the courtyard, boy. But it doesn't matter because the devil's got no more nails and he's going to try to take you out. But know where all the nails went and it's over. And you know... I love it that the nails are all over the place today. I'm just feeling it. I'm just feeling it. You know what I, you know what I really feel? The greatest strength in our lives is, you know where it's going to come from? It's going to come from the scars. The greatest strength in our lives is going to come from the areas. If we let God's love and his power flow from heaven, that's where things can happen. That's where real forgiveness can happen. And you know what really hit me this week too, though? You know, I have more nails. I have more nails because I'm just worried that you're not going to remember my illustration. I'm a little worried. You know what we do? Let me tell you what we do. Let me tell you what we do. We not only have had issues where we have been hit by the enemy and we have fallen, but guess what? A lot of us carry around a pocket full of nails and we, where's my hammer? We have a pocket full of nails and Jeff, I hope you don't mind. I'm not going to hit you with it, but don't get scared. And we're hammering other, oh man, that hurt. We're hammering other people. Think about it. How about we take how about we take all the nails that we're holding on to and we empty them? Because if the same grace that was extended to us by Jesus on the cross, if that's real, then that means I better take my nails and pull them out of my pocket. And who am I to judge you and not extend grace to you? I'm, you know what? I'm done. I'm done as a preacher in the church with all the nonsense. I'm done with the offenses. I'm done listening to all the stories about how people are upset. It's Palm Sunday. Jesus Christ laid down his life. And he said, I'm taking all of it, all of your sin. I'm taking everything you did. I'm taking everything they did. It doesn't mean, don't you come up to me afterwards. Reconciliation and forgiveness are not the same things. 
I'm not saying to you that somebody that hurts you, that you're going to have the same relationship afterwards. Did you hear what I said? It doesn't mean that your relationship may change, but you have to forgive others just like you were forgiven. I have to forgive others. And you know what gets me crazy? When I see Jesus, how generous that statement is on the cross. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. When somebody sins against me, no, Father, they know exactly what they're doing. I want payback. Oh, a preacher's not supposed to say that. I'm supposed to lie. Forgiveness is a process. It is a process that we go through. It doesn't mean that it's easy. It's hard. But I love what Anne Lamott said. Oh, this is good. Get ready for this. Ready? She said, not forgiving is like drinking rat poison and then waiting for the rat to die. How good is that? Oh, yeah. Tweet that. That's good. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Hey, Lord, is there any way that you can take that out of the Lord's prayer? Can we just kind of edit that little piece out? Can we remove that? I want you to forgive me, but I don't want to forgive other people. Church, this is not a day or an hour to mess around and to play around and to walk around with offenses and to walk around and say, man, I'm not going to forgive that person or this silly stuff we get offended at. And we're worse in the church than in the world. I'm with you. I have a full-time job just like many of you in the world. I know what it's like. So when I go out in the world and I see it, I feel like it's worse in the church, the gossiping. I'm not talking to them. They didn't talk to me. What are you, I'm not, uh, uh, no way. We get so silly and we get so wrapped up and it grieves the Holy Spirit when we act this way as a church, as Christians. We need to let it flow. It has to flow like currency. It has to move. It has to move. When we don't forgive somebody, we're in essence, when the violator is gone, we're still being violated. We're still being violated. When we don't forgive, we're being choked. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. God wants to give us freedom today. I don't know why I'm whispering. But God wants to really, honestly, God wants to give us freedom today. Hey, we're, I need somebody on the keyboard right now. I think this is a time. I think this is a, this is a moment as we, we're going to play a song in a minute. But I, I really think the spirit is here today. And I, I think the spirit's heavy. And that this is an issue that, that God wants to address in our lives. For ourselves and the forgiveness that we show other People. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I, I don't want to sacrifice my future. I don't want to sacrifice it for, for, the, for the offenses and all uh, things that are happening right now. I, I, don't want to, I don't want to live that way. I don't want it to affect as I move forward in the rest of 2018 and I move forward. But I know there's so many of us in here that we, we carry this around and we, we just really don't want to forgive other people. And then we just keep nailing ourselves to a cross. Why do we do that? I've done that in my life. In my life. Anybody you can relate to that? I just continue to beat myself up and I nail myself to a cross and I forget that the enemy doesn't have any nails. I forget that the battle's already over, but that's why God sent me here this morning. 
to tell you that it is indeed over, that he indeed doesn't have any more nails, that that which held him and that which holds us doesn't have to hold us any longer. And we can move through as Christians. We can move through in a new day and let it flow. I'm asking right now that you would just let it flow inside of your heart, inside of your heart, and let the Spirit just move on us right now. Can we do that? Can we break up the routine a little bit? They're going to come up and sing a song, but can we just reflect kind of right now about what we're doing as Christians and the message that is here for all time? All time, what Jesus did. Lord, Lord, we're not denying that it doesn't hurt. Lord, we're not denying that things didn't happen. You hear me, church? I'm not denying that those things that you weren't really hurt as a kid, you weren't hurt as an adult, and maybe you're going through stuff right now in your marriage, maybe you're going through stuff with your kids, you're going through stuff with your job, you're going through stuff with just how you feel, your, your worth as a human being. And I would tell us here, the enemy doesn't have any power, he only has the power that we can give him. Stop letting him wreak havoc over our minds. Lord, I ask that your people, Father, Lord, I ask that your people, Lord, that they would realize that we are indeed in that battle. Father, I ask that we would put on the spiritual armor, your armor, Father, that we would leave this place and know the voice and the lies of the enemy are from the pit of hell, Lord, and that you have come here today with your grace and your mercy Lord, let forgiveness break out in this place because only when people are on their knees and only when people are repentant and contrite can your spirit move. Oh, spirit, may we not quench you in this house. May we be like Thomas, my Lord and my God. We have been talking about Bethany. Lord, we want to be a people that put you first. May we bend our knee, Lord. May we get down and say, Lord, you are indeed God in my life. I want to put you on the throne. But I'm distracted and I'm letting so many things take me out. Oh, Father, let them know that today's a new day and that there is real freedom and joy for all Christ followers. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to City on a Hill's podcast. For more resources, visit us at chccny.com.